Pilot Boys in the building. Welcome to the Pilot Boys podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. I am Mecca Don here with my co-host V. What's up, Pilot Boys and Girls? Today is December 26, 2019. Thank you guys for tuning in. I know you could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. On today's show, we will do a bit of a year in review. This is our last show of 2019. Mm-hmm. And we, we, yeah, we want to shed some light on certain pop culture stories and give our input on them. Also, this Saturday is a college football playoff. It starts. And we're going to do a preview and score predictions with our resident college football insider, Zach Smith. Guess who's we're predicting to win? Let's get to it. Where the pilot boys at? Welcome back to the Pilot Boys Podcast. Again, this is our last show of 2019, V. Crazy. This year flew by, man. This, this year did fly by. And, uh, you know, before we get into it a little bit, we obviously have to shout out our listeners, uh, our Patreon subscribers, yes, everyone who's definitely. liked and commented, giving us your feedback. You guys have been amazing. You know, V and I, we, we told you the first show um, that we kind of started this. We've been talking about it for a while, but we never really got around to it. A lot of logistical things. And then finally, we're like, fuck it. We're going to start it, and we're going to see what happens. You know, we didn't have everything set up. We didn't know everything about how to do a podcast and all that type of stuff. But your guys' feedback and your guys' encouragement has been amazing. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. uh, Happy holidays to you all. And, uh, yeah, so thank you guys for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on social media, you know, at Twitter, at Pilot Boys Pod, and on Facebook, um, at Pilot Boys Podcast. And same thing with Instagram. You are appreciated. Yes. So, Tupac voice. You are appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's jump into it though, V. You know, because 2019 was a was a crazy year, right? From so many different perspectives. So much shit happening. And with social media, you hear about everything. Yeah. You know, social media has amplified kind of a lot of stories. You know, there's 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 obvious stories about, you know, who won, you know, the the championship games and who won the World Series and who that those are things that happen every year. But then you also have some other stories that, you know, that happen that aren't necessarily things that you hear about every year. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk touch on is um, the NCAA image and likeness thing, right? That's yes. a big, big, a big, big, big story. Um, you know, we've for people who don't know, you know, the NCAA is the governing body of, of collegiate athletics, and you know, for years, for decades, they've essentially you know banned and for, forbidden players from benefiting from their likeness and image. They were not allowed to actually reap the benefits of that while they're, you know, currently in college. And, you know, there have been many fights to that. Um, NCAA football, for example, and some of those uh, NCAA games were actually taken away because Ed O'Bannon, for example, yeah. fought fought the NCAA before Shout about that. Shout out Ed O'Bannon. Yeah. And, but there's been a lot of pushback recently and the noise is getting louder and louder and louder about when people see how much money is being ushered into college football from sponsorships to TV revenue to ticket sales, and they see that players are not not only are they not allowed to share in that revenue, but they're also not allowed to make money mm-hmm. off their own likeness. So now the Board of Governors started a process, the Board of Governors for the NCAA started a process to enhance the name, image, and likeness opportunities. Uh, basically, each division has to kind of come up with a proposal um, by 2021 
takes into account a few different things. Um, I'll, I'll list some of them. I'm actually on the NCAA website right now. One of them is to assure student athletes are treated similarly to non-athlete students unless there's a compelling reason that exists to differentiate, which is something that is, you know, what that essentially means is that, you know, people before, a lot of the quote-unquote regular students on campus can work and make money off of their name and likeness, but the players and stuff like that mm -hmm. weren't allowed to. So, V, when you look at that and you see this development, obviously it's, it's a long way to go from where you and I believe this thing should end up, but how does that, how does that impact how you think about the sport and how you think about where this thing's going to end up? Well, I think it's great. One is that it's a step in the right direction, right? Mm -hmm. The NCAA has taken so many steps in the wrong direction <laughs> right. that just this happening and them seeming to be okay with it and embrace it instead of trying to fight it, that's very positive. Right. right. But I think overall the concern again comes down to one of my biggest concerns is not what's going to happen to the star players, right? Mm -hmm. If you're Chase Young, yes, you can make money off of your image and likeness, right? Right. But if you are the guy who comes and plays at Ohio State and doesn't make it to the NFL, does the image and likeness thing really help you all that much? Mm -hmm. But I do think the second thing that I think is great about this is the video game money will at least ensure that all of the guys get something. Right. Right? Because if they bring back college football college basketball games, which they should because it's a huge money maker, and the players are getting their fair portion. Mm -hmm. I think that that's one thing that balances it. But again, I fear the NCAA fucking this shit up. Like yeah. They mess everything up. And not looking at this thing and saying, okay, we pass this image and likeness thing. Anybody who knows marketing, you can't just leave an 18-year-old kid to himself to enhance so the, so and capitalize on his brand. So that's right? a good so that's a good point cuz you know you're obviously a business and marketing expert and brand expert. And so you know to me there there are multiple sides of this thing. Obviously it's the rule itself now players are allowed. But now what that does is it creates an industry, right? Yes. So how do you think that plays out? Is there are there going to be marketing agents that are now, you know, able to work with players and you know, are there is there going to be what what is the industry actually going to now start to look like? The short answer is yes. Right. <laughs> like you should be able to if you have the opportunity to make money and you can hire a marketing agent who in many times they work on a commission scale and they're saying, oh, yeah, you can't pay these guys. They'll work on a commission scale with guys that can potentially make this type of money. And what type of commissions percentage-wise typically, what's the range that someone can make in marketing? Um, anywhere from 10 to 20%. I would advise against anyone that's taking 10% because usually they're not very good. Mm. Um, the soft spot is 15. Okay. Um, 20 is if you are if, if you know what you're paying for. Right. right? Um, so there's that element. But I think that the schools should hire an internal. They hire an internal marketing staff mm -hmm. or person if their if their fear again is oh all these outside marketing agencies that have illicit interests or are working with agents and all that stuff right hire an internal marketing staff to help these guys Ohio State has done a great job of this a couple other programs have done this to help these guys as 18 year old kids understand what making money off of your image and likeness means mm -hmm and making sure that they're not getting screwed over in their jersey sales, whatever else is coming in, that there's a system set up to make sure that these guys are protected. Yeah. And it's not just we passed this law, so right. we're, we're, we're hands off. We're hands so, off. And I think the last thing I want to talk about with this, 
before we move on to some of the other topics um, from this year, is high school now because that's where I see, you know, again, this thing isn't all the way fleshed out, but that's where I could see another aspect of the industry being created. So, for example, let's say there's a guy who's a, like a Zion Williamson. We mentioned him before. By the time he was a sophomore in high school, he was nationally known. And now, whatever college he goes to, you know, he's obviously going to be even a bigger star. It seems as though now this, this opens up people to come to him when he's a sophomore and say, hey, I'm going to be your marketing guy. You know, I'm going to, you know, it opens up the industry much earlier. It's not just when they get to college. Definitely, especially in basketball, right? Yeah. Because we, we know maybe the top two or three players in the country, if you really follow football, but... If you follow sports, you knew who Zion Williamson was. You knew who LeBron James was. And what I think the effect here in basketball is, is that this one-and-done rule, suddenly it becomes more attractive to go to a program like Duke Mm -hmm. or Kentucky. Because if you're smart, you're like, okay, instead of going to the pros right away, let me go get coached by Coach K, feed into this Duke system, create more value for myself yeah. and my family. So when I do go to the NBA, I have all these Duke fans now that are going to buy everything that I sell. Right. right. And I think that is how the system should work. Give these kids incentive instead of saying, creating artificial rules and saying, okay, you, you have to go to college for one year, mm-hmm. create a system where it's advantageous now for these guys to go to college and sell the benefits of that. Because I am a proponent as much as I'm against um, the NCAA in a lot of areas. I am a proponent of these kids getting an opportunity to go to college so long as they're not being taken advantage of. I think it is. it can be an advantage for them. Right. And that, that point is actually, you know, I guess one last thing I'll say on that is that, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out and we're going to watch it closely. And obviously on this show, it's going to be something that we're going to talk about a lot because we care about it. But the last point you made about college and college education is actually a perfect segue to one of our other stories that was a, a national story this year, which was the college admissions scandal across the country, you know, with Aunt Becky, Lori Law. <laughs> you know. Aunt Becky committing crimes yeah. out here. Aunt Becky out here, you know, hustling the system. And, you know, this elaborate kind of uh, uh, scamming and planning that, you know, these kind of rich people have been doing across the country to get their kids essentially to get into colleges that they were not otherwise qualified to get into. And I... When I hear about it, it 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 drives me nuts because you know I know what it took for me, and I know what it yeah. took for you, and I know what it took for my family, and and you know uh, my parents who came here in the '70s, and your parents also immigrated here with nothing, and to to make their way through college and to figure out a way to get through, and then you see all these scenarios of people kind of just hustling their way, and you're like, wait, so this person sitting next to me didn't have to go through the same shit that I had to go through to get yeah. into this school? That's some bullshit, but. What it, one thing that it does reveal is that the truth. Yeah. And at the end of the day, right, it seems like, you know, we talk about capitalism a lot on this show, but there's there's an industry for everything, right? And when there's oh, money right. involved, there's, you know, and there's human beings involved and there's greed involved, there are ways to f- to figure this thing out. But when you first heard about that scandal, you know, what, what were the, some of the thoughts that you had going through your head? One thing I was happy that it came out because I think it takes celebrity to, um, make these issues, make people aware of these issues. But, you know, nepotism and and favoritism and working the system, especially at these elite college institutions like George Bush 
would not have gotten into jail if his dad wasn't George Bush senior. Right. Right. And then you just see like in everything, people are competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see the length, even somebody like aunt Becky will go to make sure that their kid gets the best, whether or not they deserve it. Yeah. And I think that that's a bad precedent that's being set in this generation is that do whatever you need to do to get where you need to go versus working hard, yeah. being the best that you possibly can and going where you can go. Like I didn't get into Harvard, right? right? But right. I was very happy to get into Ohio State, yeah. right? And I took advantage of Ohio State. yeah. And it bothers me going through the colleges as it, I'm sure it does you. It's like we worked hard for these degrees mm-hmm. and to get scholarships and, and, and get to where we needed that colleges would look at us favorably to know that there's a system in place where you can just pay. Well, the entitlement too is the thing that kind of drives me nuts. Yeah. Even on Becky now, she's acting like I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, like, I'm I'm innocent, you know. And it's kind of like, no, you did. You know yeah. what I mean? And you took advantage of your situation and you got caught. And you're not the only person to do it. There are a lot of people that take advantage of their their clout or their relationships. A lot of people and don't it, think about the consequences for other people. They only think about themselves too. A hundred percent. And also, you know, you get tunnel vision. You know, with if. You know, and the type of things, again, I'm not making excuses, but the type of things that you'll do for your kids, we'll all do all kinds of stuff for our kids, right? And if you see an opportunity and you're like, wow, this would make for my kid's life much better, and this is the way that my friends, and someone just told me about this hustle, you know, you could see somebody falling into that. And, you know, it's it's sad, though, because like I said before, for people who work hard, people who think that this is an honest, meritorious system. You bust your ass and you're going to get into college and you're going to, it's, 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 it reveals kind of the underbelly of academics, which you think should be something that's untouchable, right? Which is the thing that seems to be like one of the most meritorious systems. Yeah. And then you find out that this is happening. In many countries outside of the U.S., it is a strict meritocracy, right? Mm-hmm. Like to get a seat is so competitive that you do have to work to be the best. I think what it's exposed, and we've seen this, is like, these are multi-billion-dollar corporations. Mm-hmm. These big universities. Mm-hmm. Harvard is a multi-billion-dollar corporation. Mm-hmm. Ohio State is a multi-billion-dollar corporation. Mm-hmm. So whenever you see multi-billion-dollar corporations, you're going to find corruption at all levels. Right, right. And this, you know, it may seem like small potatoes. A couple celebrity kids getting to USC, but a couple of those celebrity kids getting into USC meant two kids who really deserve to get into USC did not get into USC. Right. And I think, you know, the last thing on this is I think the scary thing is and you start to wonder like, man, like who who runs this place? You know, where am I? What am I living in? What other things are happening that I don't know about that you know for sure are happening that are affecting me and my family and my positioning and things that I think that, you know, the things that I've been taught to think that you work hard and you do this, you'll get and you just wonder what other things are happening. So it's crazy. Hopefully, justice is brought there. And the reality, though, is that you know this isn't going to change. A lot of the once once the cat is out of the bag, people just they you know they'll take their medicine. But people are going to figure out a different way to to get the same result, right? Yeah. So if they have to go a different back channel, they'll do it. But money eventually is going to talk. I mean, you can buy buy when you have money that level of money, you can buy anything, right? Right. People donating buildings so their kids can get into college. It's like. It's crazy. The Bennett. What? Well, where do we go from here? Right. Right. So let's move on. Let's let's talk a little bit about some of the um, sports winners uh, in 2019. You know, like obviously the Patriots won the Super Bowl. Clemson won the national championship. Toronto 
uh, Raptors won first in uh, first in franchise history. Who, That's who, huge in who Canada. Won the, who won the um, uh, NCAA? It's unbelievable. Basketball. I can't, I can't remember. I, I, I know Duke was in the final, okay. right? But who beat them? Was it Villanova? It's, 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 we'll get, we'll get back to we'll, that. We'll figure it out. Uh, obviously, the um, Women's World Cup. That was huge. Won. Many different levels. Washington Nationals won. First time winners again. So, I guess the, you know, obviously, shout out to all the winners, but I think the, the more important question is, you know, there, there are winners every year, right? But when you look at back at certain winners, certain victories, or, you know, the way somebody won, or just kind of their positioning, you know, makes them remembered more than others, right? So there's certain championships that you remember, or certain games that you remember. We remember Marshawn Lynch not getting the ball on the one yard line or whatever. Yeah, and we all yeah. remember that. What of what of of any of these kind of sports stories do you think, um, you know, potentially has a longer, long lasting effect? I mean, Virginia, Virginia is actually who Virginia won. Virginia, won. Virginia, yes. Virginia is first, who won. That, so many first time winners this year. Yeah, right? so that's so that's the thing. So you have a lot of first time winners. You have obviously Clemson. In football, who's not a first-time winner anymore? You have Tom Brady winning his sixth ring. You have Kawhi Leonard establishing himself as the best player, as the, maybe NBA, the best yeah. player in the NBA. Obviously, the Golden State had injuries and stuff like that. You know, you had the women's national uh, soccer team um, uh, winning again and just dominating. Who who do you think has potentially of these winners has longevity? Longevity? Yeah, beyond um, just like this year. Uh, obviously, the Patriots. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah, because oh, that's the story that keeps on giving, right? I mean, yeah. Tom Brady, I think, does he have six rings now? Is it six? Yeah, he has six. Tom Brady has six. six. And the thing is, is that, you Michael know. Jordan. Yeah. And that was the kind of the thing is like, you know, who, you know, to the chase for being the GOAT, you know, always came down to the amount of rings. You know, when I remember when he had four and it was like, well, Joe Montana had four and he never lost in Super yeah. Bowl. And now he has six. Maybe that is the one. Maybe that is what we look back on and say, yeah, yeah. That's a good that's a good one. I think in terms of the most competitive, even though I'm not a baseball fan, mm-hmm. that if you are a baseball fan watching the Nationals and Astros go at it yeah. like they did, that's what you pay to see in a seven-game series is what was in that series. Obviously, the World Cup is huge and what they represent um is 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 incredible. But I think it's you know, when when we were growing up, right, we we all knew about the Bills, Bulls. Sorry, not the Bills, <laughs> right, and the Bills. Boy, I love losing Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and they're making a documentary on it. It's just like, who do you? I'm going to flip yeah. the question to you. Who yeah. do you think in this era is like memorable? The Warriors kind of had a little run, like, yeah. but it seems like there's a lot more parity in sports now. Yeah. Also, shout out to the St. Louis Blues. They they won um, NHL. Not a big hockey fan, but I know that a lot of people are. So definitely want to shout that. Were out. they first time winners? I don't know. I'm not sure either. I think though that this, you know, the Kawhi thing is interesting. I love it because you know Kawhi now has multiple championships in different cities. He now, you know, just this week they Christmas Day they they you know they beat the Lakers and they're looking like they could be one of the best teams now in the Clippers and now he might win a third championship. And so we might not, you know, we might not look at the individual ring in Toronto as that meaningful, but we may look at back on Kawhi's career. And say, wow, you know, Kawhi Leonard is one of the top five or top seven or top three or who even knows. Maybe he'll get the top one if he continues along this trajectory. And his free agent decision single-handedly changed the landscape of the NBA, right? Because 100%. we went through this culture of I'm just going to get with the best players and we're going to win a championship by default. Right. Which as a 
90s, 2000s basketball fan I did not like. Yeah. Kawhi, by going to the Clippers and saying no to the Lakers, mm-hmm. because obviously if you went to the Lakers, they'd right. be 82 and 0. Right. Nobody's beating them. Yeah. So I think Kawhi is a dev. I think that's a great pick because of what he represents. Yeah. In terms of a cultural shift again in basketball. Yeah. No, he, you're 100% right. I think now when Kawhi went to the Clippers, you now thought there are about six or seven teams who actually have a legitimate shot of winning a championship. And, and I think KD too. Let's we not KD, but him going to Brooklyn. Yeah. I think created another another beast over there. Yeah, it did. So that's the thing. I mean, you have Brooklyn, you have, you know, multiple teams on the east and most more teams on the west, but um a number of different teams that can win. So let's transition a little bit to um before we get to our last thing I want to talk about uh kind of the year in review is kind of our favorite artists, you know, our new artists and who we enjoyed this past year and maybe just tell people who we're looking forward to for next year. But before we get to that, obviously I want to shout out Nipsey Hussle, right? Rest in peace, Rest in Nipsey. Peace. Uh, John Singleton. You know, that Nipsey thing. Nipsey and John Singleton. I think a lot, a, a, a lot of people don't really understand what they represent mm-hmm. because Nipsey wasn't the biggest artist mm-hmm. in the world and more people learned about him after he died. Mm-hmm. But what he was trying to do and build in his community yeah. is very, very admirable. Yeah. And he was successful. Yeah. Um, and it's you You look back now and you say, why wasn't that story more publicized? Yeah. Why aren't stories like that more publicized where you're talking about somebody who's an artist who's also really, really giving back to their community. Well, see, here's the interesting thing, and this is kind of where I think certain people have trouble, right, If is that, you know, if you look at his his history, for example, you know, he was a gangbanger, right, and he he acknowledges that. He went to jail. He Clearly, he had committed crimes and stuff like that, but he had learned from that and had started mo- trying to move away from that life. His affiliation with the Crips was... Still an affiliation, but it wasn't as he wasn't banging like every he no. wasn't banging. It was just kind of a community type thing, and so the reason why that story hit me so hard. I mean, I was in tears, yeah. you know. And you know, there are a lot of celebrities and people that I know, and 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 you know that that passed away that I'm sad about, and that you know it's terrible. But this one hit me ultra hard because you know you and I are not people who learned about Nipsey later. We have been very familiar with yeah. his story. We know people who know him. We've been to the block that he lives on, you know. Yeah. We we know a lot about him. We've met we've we've met him. We've met him and interacted <laughs> with him. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's it was different. And then also you just saw his energy was so consistent and what it was that he was trying to do from you know developing programs in the inner city, trying to teach young kids, you know, um, coding and you know bringing new business ideas. He was a, a pioneer in a lot of ways in, in terms of how he ran his his business. And um, some of the entrepreneurial things that he was trying to do, and obviously trying to build up his community, and to see him get gunned down in his the way own he community died, it was, it was in front of his shocking. own store. Yeah. Oh. I mean, we talk about we we the last when we when Tupac died and Biggie died, people really felt it. I think this is probably the hip hop death since then, mm-hmm. right? And and there, these things are shocking. When John yeah. Lennon died, people tell me. Stories about how people were just could not get over it. People mm-hmm. were committing suicide, like because it, he had that type of impact on his fans, right? And I think here it's just so just how it. Yeah, happened. I mean, like Triple X, he, he had that Im- impact on his fans. If you talk, if you talk to my nephew, that was by far the most impactful one to him. He even more than and Juice Nixie, World, too. And obviously Juice, right? So those are those are really really sad scenarios. You know, um, it's it's unfortunate the way. Um, these all of them have kind of happened, 
you know, the triple X one and the Nipsey one was much more similar because they were both gunned down. And it's just, it's sad to see that type of violence, especially for guys who have come out of ter- tough circumstances and have tried to make a name for I themselves. I wanted to ask you a question about that yeah. as an artist, right? We talk about sometimes, is his death maybe what was needed to publicize and make his story take root and more people get involved? Like people always talk about like what happens when there's a shocking death like that, right? First yeah. it brought a lot of attention to what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I think this is how his family views it or right. wants to view it. Right. Um, how do you view that? Would you rather, you're an artist. Yeah. Would you rather, I hate to stop. Yeah, I understand. Die young. Yeah. And have an impact like Tupac and like Nipsey. Or would you rather like ride it out? That's a real fucking question, man. And you know what's so crazy about it is it's it sounds crazy to even ask that. But the reality is if you look at like a lot of the people that we worship, right? Um, the only one that really, well, I guess nationally, the only one that, that actually kind of lived a long life was like Muhammad Ali. Yeah. But if you look at the other people that people worship, I mean, first of all, you know, the 27 Club, all the people that Bruce, died at 27. Bruce Lee. Yeah. I mean, know. Bruce Lee, Martin Luther King, you know, um, uh, Tupac, you know. Uh, uh, Elvis, all yeah. these people. Like, all of them died young. And so that is the, you know, and some of this, honestly, is and maybe this is deeper, too deep for the podcast, but it's what do you believe kind of spiritually, right? What do you mm-hmm. believe is the purpose of living? What do you believe is the purpose on earth? It, you know, and so from Nipsey's perspective, obviously we do, no one wishes that he died. But one thing that I do realize, and you said this earlier, is that, through his death, it was that a lot of people got to know who yeah. he was and what it was that he was doing, unfortunately. But that is the reality. And also, he's almost like a martyr yeah. now, you know? And so, you know, the longer you live, and my mom has said this to me before, is, you know, the longer you live, the more opportunities you get to make mistakes yeah. and fuck up your legacy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. there's some people that we liked, and then later on in life, they're like, okay, that guy's, that dude is crazy, you know? So, yeah. um, and, you know, and I'm not trying to make light of the situation at all. But I think it is a great question. I've asked myself that question many, many times. You know, what would I rather die, you know, now and, you know, affect so many people's lives or would I rather, you know, and or would I rather just keep going and not really have that much impact? It's a great question. And it changes a little bit when you have kids too. You know, it's 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 a tough question. And I really don't know the answer to it. Yeah. But I do know that I respect people who live their lives every day trying to make a change and not and regardless of whether that's they all we that's all we can all hope hope to do that, right that's all that's all we can all hope to do and that's a good segue i guess into kind of some of our favorite new artists and maybe we'll wrap up a little bit on that we could you know there's a lot more stuff that we can talk about I'll, also real quick shout out to um people on twitter at pilot boys pod let us know what you guys think about Interest, interesting year in music yeah interesting year in music uh interesting year in sports let us know what some of your favorite 2019's um stories were and um, but let's get out of here on this um, new artists, you know, artists that you're looking forward to in 2020, because, you know, we're obviously big music heads. We've, we've been in you know music forever uh, as a as a team. And, um, you know, so music is forever changing. Hip hop is forever changing. You know, there's new artists popping up all the time right now. It seems like there's a new artist. People are, people are getting <laughs> famous for different reasons outside yeah. of music every day. Too, right. right? Yeah. And so every day, it seems like there's a new artist popping like, up. How do, you filter, how do you filter the social media rapper from yeah. the really talented rapper? And that's what I, an artist, that's what I really am trying to do yeah. now is 
filter through the bullshit. Right. Right. And say, should I just like him because everyone's talking about him? Right. Or do I really like him? Yeah. I think that's a good thing for crew music listeners to always ask themselves. I think there are a few artists this year um, that made noise. Obviously, Nipsey. I, you know when right. his album came out, I listened to it. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know if that was 2018 or 2019. I can't remember now. It was uh, 18. You know, his album, um, YBN Corday. Yeah, YBN Corday is super yeah, shout out, Shout out to, to the Prince family there for helping make that whole situation yeah. happen. So I was like, rap a lot. Um, and and then the the artist that's getting a lot of noise that I'm kind of on the fence about is Summer Walker, right? Okay. Obviously, I want to say this is, she's obviously a great artist. Right. But all her songs sound the same, and I still need an album. But the artist that I'm really, really looking forward to is Justin Martin. Yeah. Um, she released her debut album. She's out of Houston, right? Out of Houston. She's 18, 19. How would you classify it? Was it like R&B? That's, that's the thing that's dynamic pop, yeah. about her at her, her age is she's a songwriter. Right. Right. And she flows between writing great R&B songs mm. that women really relate to, but men also gives men great perspective on some of the shit we do. Right. And then as a hip-hop artist, she's raw. She's not just talking about Hot Girl Summer. Like, right. she's a real rapper. Real quick on that, too, because she's she's independent still, but she's getting interest from labels. And as, you know, the game has changed a little bit. You know, before, when you know, when I was coming up earlier, the, the goal was to get signed, you know. But as we started getting more in, into the game, it was like, uh, I don't know if that's the goal anymore. The goal, you know, maybe we can use them in some type of distribution, you know, relationship or some type of JV. But now, you know, the game is all over the place. Some some people are signed, some people are independent. How do you how would you advise or or you know what things are you looking at when you determine whether or not you would push somebody towards a label or not? Working with artists as long as I have, mm-hmm. um, including you, I realize the thing that you guys value most is your creative freedom and independence. Yes. To be able to do what the fuck you want to do. Right. And I think that a lot of these artists that become big, they lose that. Yeah. And so that's where you see these fallouts it's like whether you're reaching if you're a true artist right mm-hmm. you shouldn't care whether you're reaching a thousand people or a hundred thousand people as long as the people who are rocking with you relate to who you are and, and what that you, you can represent. and that you can eat right and you can eat <laughs> right and you can make you, <laughs> you can eat. make yeah you yeah. can you can make a million dollars off of a thousand loyal fans yeah you know yeah. you can yeah you know but at the same time you gotta you you do have to balance it and it's important as an independent artist that if that's what the route you are going to do and this is what you want to do as a living, yeah, you understand the business side of it too. Well, for me, I guess, you know, my artist is the baby, right? That's the artist that I look forward to the most in 2020. I feel like, you know, and maybe that's obvious for a lot of people. Why? Why? why what specifically? Like, obviously, everybody loves the baby. Yeah. Some as, people don't. Some people tell me all as, the songs as, sound the same. As a rapper yeah. and how you evaluate yourself and other rappers yes what makes him so much better than everyone else right now because people are saying he is better than everyone else i think the number one thing that the baby has is presence a presence that we haven't seen in a while yeah it is a like an unwavering sense of confidence jeezy kind of has this a little bit it's an unwavering sense of confidence that like i am the fucking man period and i there's like nothing you can tell me because I've been through it all. And there's nothing that you can do to me that's going to move me off of this position. I'm unwavered in my position, and he has a presence. Um, but he also has a lot of other intangibles, right? He First of all, he's actually talented. He can rap. Yeah. But he also has a voice, a, a, a great voice that yeah. is memorable, right? And you know it's him. He's not 
auto-tuning his voice. He's not enhancing his voice really with, you know, maybe a little bit here and there. But for the most part, that's his voice. Um, and then he's also unique, right, in terms of how he approaches the game. His videos. He's a business His, his dancing. He's right. very smart. Very smart. And um, he was also, you know, he was a hustler before he got into the game. And I think he understood. He brought some of that hustle to this, to the, to the hip hop game. And I think the other thing that he has is kind of that un like dying desire to be great. And he's relentless. You know, you, there are like Pac was relentless. Lil Wayne was relentless. These are guys that you know, Wale is like that. Yeah. You know, and I remember Jay Z saying that one of the things that he really respected about Wale is that he knew Wale was never going to give up. Yeah. And when I look at the baby, I don't look at this as just a guy who's just trying to get you know fame and you know trick off a little he's bit doing it independently too doing it independently he's having fun doing it he's doing it his own way and he's just he's just creating a name for himself and he's going nonstop. so i'm looking forward to seeing what he's doing somebody on twitter told me the other day that uh they think he's overrated and you know they think all his songs sound the same some people yeah some people yeah he's people. not necessarily you know embraced by everybody but who is i mean no artist is embraced yeah. by everybody but he's somebody that I'm looking forward to. And as an artist, he's somebody that I actually respect in their career that I respect. So, you know, we'll see. You know, hit us up again at Pilot Boys Pod uh, on Twitter. Let us know who are your favorite artists of 2019? Who are you looking forward to in, in 2020? It doesn't have to be somebody that everybody knows. It could be uh, an unsigned artist or whatever. We like hearing about new music and dope music. Again, thank you guys for joining us on the Pilot Boys podcast. This is our last show of 2019. V, shout out to you, man. You've you've really done your thing. I uh, appreciate you being a co-host. I'm glad we were finally able to make this this thing happen, man. Yeah. I'm having fun and just going to keep getting better. Yeah, and make sure you guys keep supporting us, man. We will keep putting out content. Um, you know, your your guys' energy kind of fuels us to keep going, to be honest. Uh, you know, when it, sometimes, you know, you do things like this and you don't know how it's going to be received. And uh, but you know, fortunate for us, this has been received very well. If you do something terrible, tell us, please. Yeah, if we suck, just tell us too. We'll, you know, we'll we'll take it. We'll swallow our medicine. But anyway, <laughs> we are going to uh, take a quick break, and when we get back, we will do a college football playoff preview with our college football insider Zach Smith. Obviously, this Saturday we have both games, both semifinal games, They're huge matchups for Ohio State fans. You guys know that by now. So we were excited. Who are you betting on, Mac? Who are you betting on? Who are you betting on? When we get back from break, they'll find out. <laughs> uh, we'll be right back. Love the Pilot Boys podcast? Support us on Patreon. Supporters can pledge as little as $1. We have some cool perks on there. Check out www.patreon.com forward slash Pilot Boys podcast. Show us some love today. Welcome back to the Pilot Boys podcast. We are here with Zach Smith, our resident college football insider. We are going to do a CFP preview. This Saturday, we have the Church's Chicken. Wait. <laughs> Wait. Chick-fil-A. Wait, who? who? Someone's presenting the Peach Bowl. Some Somebody making ch- a lot of money. Some, some kind of chicken Peach Bowl. Some right? kind of chicken Peach Bowl. Uh, this, this Saturday, 430 Eastern, I believe. It's between Oklahoma and LSU. And then right after that, we will get to the Nintendo Atari uh, Fiesta Bowl. Oh, wait, PlayStation, sorry. Uh, Fiesta Bowl with Ohio State and Clemson. We're going to do a little bit of a preview on both of those games. Obviously, they're the uh, CFP semifinals. The winners of those two games go on to play in the national championship game. So let's welcome to the show Zach Smith. It's good to be here. What's up, Zach? Happy holidays. Yeah, same to you. So, Zach, let's let's jump right into it, man. This is... uh, 
obviously an exciting time for college football fans, and particularly if you're a fan of Oklahoma, LSU, Ohio State, or Clemson, Absolutely. it's even the most exciting time, right? Even waiting for this for the last couple of weeks since the championship games, and we just want to get right to it. You know, there's kind of assumptions being made. I want to start in the first game, um, Oklahoma versus LSU. There are a lot of assumptions being made nationally, and they've been made pretty much all season, that LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson were the top three teams in the, in the country, and that anybody else who kind of got that fourth spot was at a severe disadvantage. And so, you know, nationally, you talk to, you know, sports writers or media, they're not really giving uh, Oklahoma a chance to win this game. So my question to you is, first of all, do you agree with that? And um, where do you see – how do you see this game playing out? Yeah, I think it's an interesting game because both teams match up so well with each other mm -hmm. as far as weaknesses and strengths. Um, Oklahoma losing Ronnie Perkins is huge. Uh, yeah. I did a all-CFP team in, I think, a couple episodes ago – and he was one of two guys on Oklahoma's defense that I had on the all-CFP team. He was yeah. actually the oh. other defensive end opposite of Chase Young. Mm. He's their leading tackler, right? Uh, he's, a, he's a beast. Yeah. Well, yeah. he was a beast. I yeah. guess he's not going to be a beast in this game. Right. So uh, They lost in the suspension, right? Yeah, some kind of suspension. You know how it is. Te yeah. te violation of team policies or rules. Right. <laughs> right. Whatever that means. means. He probably smoked weed. What a, what a <laughs> criminal. What a bad guy. <laughs> right. But um, I'm excited to watch it because Oklahoma's defense is, is – uh, so much improved from last year. They got Alex Grinch, who was at Ohio State last year, as their new DC. Mm -hmm. And they've uh, almost cut their missed tackles in half. They're doing things so much better than they were. Yeah. But it was like uh, being called the world's tallest midget. That's like, okay, right. what does that mean? <laughs> right. They were that bad last year. Yeah. Right. So they've it's gotten improved. a lot better. They've gotten a lot better, but okay, yeah. how much better? Yeah. We're talking about the top echelon of football now. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting because they're going against the best offense statistically and everything else in the world. Yeah. Right so, now. So, Heisman QB. Well, it's interesting, too, because in these type of games, you know, I'm always weary uh, of these of the games, especially in college football, where the talent, you know, Oklahoma is not some rinky-dink program, right? And they're not a program that doesn't have a lot of talent. Yes, they have suspensions now. I think they lost a number of guys to the NFL, but they're still one of the top flight programs. And so I'm always weary when I hear like, oh, they have no chance of winning this game. I'm like, ah. come on, man. Come on. Like, come on, man. Let, let's, let's, let's talk about this for a second. <laughs> they had the last two Heisman Trophy winners, right? Right, Oklahoma. before this year. Oh, and then Kyler they, and, and Baker. Kyler and Baker. And this year they have a Heisman finalist. So they're doing something really right. Whatever you say about their defense, they're doing something really right on the offensive side of the ball. And Lincoln Riley has proven himself. And we saw in the Alabama-LSU game that this game could be just a shootout. Obviously, LSU has great offensive talent, right? But Oklahoma has equally great offensive talent. And I think, uh, you know, why would you overlook this game? Well, that's the thing. So, and you know, if you look, let's talk about Jalen Hurts for a second too, because you know, on, on one of our other shows, um, we were talking about uh, Jalen Hurts, and we were talking about Joe Burrow and the transfers, that whole kind of thing. And is there anything that you're seeing from him now in terms of the offense that Lincoln Riley has him running? And that is different from what you saw him doing at, at Alabama. Oh yeah, it's it's night and day. Oh, it's it, it, it's more reminiscent of um, Lincoln Riley is one of the best schematic coaches on on the offensive side of the ball in the country. I put him and Ryan Day right up there. And Joe Brady at LSU has done a great job with Joe Burrow in a much more NFL oriented attack. Yeah, right. But but what Oklahoma's doing with Jalen Hurts uh, reminds me a lot of what Florida did with Tebow when I was there, mm -hmm. where he's he's an efficient enough passer, probably not going to be a great NFL arm. Right. But what they do with him in the run game and play action and things like that and getting the ball to CeeDee Lamb in space, yeah. it just it fits him so well right. that he operates at an elite level. Yeah. And, and when he takes off, I mean, he's 
one of the most dynamic runners. He leads the team in rushing, I think, by threefold almost. Yeah. He's just that great of a player. Right. Like, you could make the argument probably that he's the fourth best quarterback in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And I, I could see that argument. But as far as, like, the the best player playing quarterback, it might be him. And he's shown a lot of heart this year, too. Oh, yeah. Like, they should have lost a couple of games but for him taking the team on his back and, yeah. and making things happen. And if you listen to him in interviews, it's like, that's the that's the the personality I want. Yeah, I mean they win a huge game and it's like all the praise to him. He plays outstanding and he won't smile, be happy. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, we just need to get back to work. You know, we have bigger goals than this. And yeah. you're like, man, you're not even gonna say like, I'm happy that we won. No, yeah, no, great straight, guy to have as your straight leader. business. So talk to us about a little bit about you know what it's like coaching a game when you're considered a big underdog, right? So here, this they're obviously considered big underdogs. Fourteen points. Yeah, what's that? What is that like? coaching that type of game i mean it definitely gives you a chip on your shoulder and, and the good thing is there's so many different motivational tactics and that's an easy one yeah i mean we did it uh, i think all you're coaching at florida for example i mean florida and, and 06 ohio state in 06 you guys are 13 and a half or 14 point underdogs yeah, and it's, it was the same thing i remember i went so funny story about that when I, I was coaching at florida and it was much later the bcs back then was like uh, january 4th or 8th or something like that so i went home back to columbus for christmas and i was doing some last minute christmas shopping and i purchased from a kiosk at the Tuttle Mall, a football that said 2006 National Champs Ohio State. Wow. I bought it and took that shit right to Gainesville. Wow. And I was like, this is what they're selling in Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know. Yeah. It's what they're selling. Wow. That's and, crazy. How smart. Very, very but, smart. But, I mean, it, the media does so much. And I'll never forget. We had highlight videos with all the different Kirk Herb Streets and media personalities talking about Ohio State's landslide. Florida doesn't even belong in the game. Yeah. And you, you tell a team that's that talented – that enough right they're gonna be really pissed yeah like really yeah. pissed and that's what i think i mean personally i think oklahoma has a very good chance of winning this game and actually i'm personally predicting an upset in this game i know it's going to be an uphill battle but one thing that we definitely saw from lsu throughout the season is that you can you can put up points against lsu and you can put up yards against lsu as well i think old miss put up like 700 yards or something crazy like that 70 uh, percent uh, maybe 65 percent to a put up 50 points or something, whatever. Yeah, there's no doubt. One other one other interesting, um, well, important note that should be mentioned is that LSU star running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has a hamstring injury. And, you know, they're saying he's questionable to play in that game. How important do you think he is to their chances? And how likely is it do you, th do you think that he plays? I mean, a hamstring injury, like even a bad one, is like four to six-week injury. So he's had about four weeks. He mm. should be able to be 100% or close to it. Well, I think he got hurt in practice, though. No, oh, he got he? hurt last Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then it just depends on the severity yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, but he's definitely a, he became a huge piece. Second half of the year, he was, I mean, just opened everything up. Yeah. The run game became a good – because initially it was like Joe Burrow was just dicing people up. They couldn't really run the ball. Right. Didn't have a great defense. And then the run game came along, and he kind of exploded onto the scene. He yeah. was he was great. That will be a huge loss for their and, offense. And, you know, Joe Burrow gets all the headlines, but he is the heart and soul of that team. He's a Baton Rouge kid. I think he's a senior. Um, they're playing for him too. So it could work both ways. If he's out, he could, he could make the rest of the team play for him. And if he's there, obviously – yeah, there was, a, there was an opinion piece, I think it was an SI that I read, where they were saying that they should not play him for this game and they should rest him for the title game. How do you, you know, we talked about this a little bit with Tua before in a different, kind of a different circumstance. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about this with Justin Fields later. But how do you even evaluate something like that? Is that something, you know, you need to win this game to even get to the title yeah. game, yeah, right? That, that, so that's a tough sell. But do you want yeah. to play him at? But is it worth playing him at seventy five percent? Well, that's the evaluation, right? Is, yeah. it, and they don't even have a, a known backup. I mean, there's a couple of young kids that they've played kind of sparingly, so they don't have a guy, in my opinion, that is 
that is as good as him at 75%. So mm-hmm. that's the evaluation. Yeah. I, I don't think in this scenario, any of those four teams can say, ah, well, if we make it, he'll be there for ne- the next one. It's like, no, 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 you got to shoot every bullet you have in this one to get to the next one. Right. And, and plus, that's probably bulletin board material if they yeah. if they decide to rest him. Right yeah, for right. sure. And you probably would never know if he did. It would be like, oh, he can't go, his hamstring, whatever. But um, I think the the real interesting thing is going to be, it's really about how the defenses play. I think both offenses are going to be as good as advertised, as good as they've been all year. Right. Um, I think LSU, believe it or not, has a slight edge on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, they have. They've been playing better lately. They have, yeah. and, and and so they have. They have the kid Christian Fulton, who's a corner who really no one threw at all year. Yeah, and they had the the, the freshman on the other side, Stingley, right? Yeah, Derek Stingley Jr., who I mean, he leads all the anyone in the playoffs. He has six interceptions. He's balled out. He had three yeah. against yeah, he's Georgia. A dog. He's, he's a dog. He's a dog. He's a, yeah. Now yeah. he's young and he's not built for C.D. Lamb. Right. He's just not. <laughs> nobody's bu- nobody's right. built for CD. I mean, Devontae Smith from Alabama had over 200 yards receiving on him. So you're talking about a, a top 10 talent at receiver. He ain't built for that yet. Right. He's young, yeah. but he's really good. Yeah. So if they can find a way to make sure that Christian Fulton stays on CD Lamb and, and, and they can let him cover their next best receiver, I think they got a, a, a de- decent shot of pl- playing well defensively. Yeah. I think, I think, um, I think my prediction, so I'm actually going to make a prediction right now. I think Oklahoma's going to win this game, mm. and I think they're going to win it like 45 to 41. That's mm. my prediction. Shootout. If you guys had a prediction to make, you know, before we jump to the Fiesta Bowl, V, what would be, what would be your prediction, score prediction for this game? Um, I'm going with LSU. You know, part of it is that I am rooting for Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. So. I understand. <laughs> yeah. But I do think that overall, when you look at it, LSU traditionally has been a defensive powerhouse. So I'm not ready to say that they suck at defense yet yeah. either. And They've had some injuries and stuff too. And, and the Big 12, even though Oklahoma has gotten better defensively, Big 12 defense is just a joke. I mean, it is, and it's going to be tough for them to to see LSU who can run and pass. What's your score prediction? Um, 28, 35-28. Mm, 35-28. Oh, so you do think it will be a close game? I think, th- I, I believe in Jalen Hurts and CeeDee Lamb keeping this game close. I right. Do. And Zach, what about you? I mean, I, th- I really think LSU is too much for Oklahoma to handle. Mm-hmm. On offense, I mean, the three receivers they have are ridiculous. Yeah. Um, they. They have the Belenikoff Award winner, the Heisman Trophy winner. Right. The running back situation makes me nervous. Yeah. Uh, I think they have a much better defense than Oklahoma. I think they, especially the second half of the year, yeah. where, st- where statistics can kind of fog your vision. I think the second half of the year they played better. Right. And people will always throw out their abysmal performances against some terrible teams. But I think I've watched them on film. I think they're a decent defense, yeah. and in, in a big stage, they're gonna. That's when you're gonna get their best effort. Right. And yeah. so I, I think LSU wins by by 14 points. You I really so? do. And I think they sh- the reality is that they kind of should. But I think these type of games, like I said, they're so dangerous because when you tell kids that are that talented that have chips on their shoulders already, Jalen Hurts has a big chip on his shoulder regardless of whether he's an underdog in this he's game or not. He's a dog. He's the X factor. And you tell them that they have no chance, that is a very dangerous recipe, not to mention that LSU does have areas where they where they can exploit. And this is a one-game scenario. This isn't, you know, yeah. a seven-game series. This is a one-game scenario. Anything can happen. So. And the thing that, that gets lost that people don't talk about also is Lincoln. This is not a, a new day for Lincoln Riley. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's been here before. He knows what's going on. And Jalen Hurts is an experienced and, quarterback and, and, as well. And, and Oklahoma, people thought they wouldn't compete, but they've been competitive when they've gotten in there, right? right? You're talking about a quarterback and head coach that have been there before. Yeah. You go to, to LSU – Ed Orgeron doesn't know what this is. Right, he's, exactly. He, he's putting together a plan based on no experience. Exactly. And th- there's something to that. That's And that's that's kind of where I... Pretty much in every area, right? Like, CeeDee Lamb thinks he's the best receiver in the country. 
kid from LSU got the Blitnikoff. Hertz thinks he's the best quarterback in the country. Burrow got the Heisman. So it's like there's a lot. There's there's a lot. lot. There's a lot. And so I'm looking forward to that game. But obviously, as an Ohio State fan, let's get to the big one, the Fiesta Bowl, Ohio State and Clemson. And you know what's so crazy about this game? And, you know, Zach, on on this show, we've talked to you about this a number of times, is that we were when we were talking about the college football rankings, you know, as they will come out every week, it was almost like a watch to where these teams were going to be ranked because we all believe that the road, the, the toughest road to the national championship is if you have to play two of either LSU, Ohio State, or Clemson. And with Ohio State ended up being ranked number two, now they have to face Clemson. Clemson, to me, I think is one of probably the most slept on team this season. I think for a number of reasons. One, because they play in a week, a week conference. They didn't really have that many challenging games. A lot of the game, the, a lot of the people who talk about Clemson negatively, they watch them play North Carolina. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, they almost lost North Carolina." They, what was they, that like they, week four? They, so, so, so they're like evaluating that, and then there's a little bit of hate there because Dabo's an annoying, whiny little bitch, and so you don't, you know, people don't really want them to be good, and then also um, they just didn't have any any competition throughout the season. So it's hard to really know how good they are. But, you know, we also know that they have a championship coach, right? The college They're the best program. And I mean, I, don't, I know Ohio State fans don't want to hear this. Until we prove it, they are the best program in college National football. National championships go through Clemson nowadays. Yeah. That's, they domi- that, they, that's they, the they've beaten Alabama. They've dominated us. Who else is there to talk about? They, do they, I don't know if they beat Georgia. Have they beaten Georgia? I'm not sure, but it doesn't matter. They've 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 dominated college football. Well, they beat Alabama, the unbeatable team. They yeah. beat Alabama forty-four to sixteen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so you know, so that's the thing. It's 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 a game that you know, it's a team that has been somehow still managed to fly under the radar. Obviously, Ohio State is a great team as well. So this isn't a game that I think, oh, Clemson is just going to come dominate Ohio State. But I say that to say that there are a number of interesting storylines here including the fact that Trevor Lawrence, their quarterback, who I think is amazing, by the way, as a talent, Second was, year. was the only quarterback who wasn't in the Heisman Trophy situation, right? So he didn't have a lot of the distractions that a lot of the other guys had. That's yeah, number that's, one. That's a great point. I he, didn't think about that. The only one. But he could be – he might end up being, you know, one of the best in, in the pros long term. Who knows? But that's not – but there's so many different things here. So then you have Justin Fields, who's now saying – He's he's eighty or eighty five percent. I don't know why he said that. I, I don't know why he said it. People on Twitter are saying, "Oh, it's gamesmanship." I'm like, "What fucking gamesmanship is that? What what advantage do you get from them knowing that you're not all the way healthy?" Sometimes our fan base, you know, I love our fans. I'm I can be crazy too, but sometimes they have to just accept that sometimes our guys might say something that's dumb. Yeah, or you know, <laughs> he just maybe you know maybe wasn't thinking, maybe wasn't prepared. It was kind of a spur of the moment thing. I don't you know it doesn't. I can understand how it happened. But that, but regardless of, of that, it's an, it, it is a storyline. If Justin Fields is not 100%, um, you're talking about Clemson's receivers, right? They have, like, four guys who are, like, 6'4", right, and speedy receivers. You're talking about an aggressive Venables uh, defense. They're, they're talking about blitzing. You're talking Don't forget about, about that running back either. Yeah. The, Tra- the, Travis, Travis, Travis at the end is phenomenal. So there's so, there's so many different um, kind of matchups and, and storylines here that I want to touch on. And um, I guess we'll just go one by one. Let's start with Justin Fields. Justin Fields, to me, Ohio State cannot win this game without Justin Fields, right? And that should no. be true probably for any starting quarterback. So maybe that statement's not even a big statement. 
But not only can they not win it without him, they cannot win it with him not really being himself. That's how good of a team this is that we're playing. How do you see the Justin Fields situation? What do you see there from a matchup standpoint um, that maybe – you know, where he could have success or where he could potentially be in trouble. I mean, the one thing is, so one, I don't think he's 80%. I think that's all horse shit. I think it's just yeah. him be trying to be modest or trying to just kind of play like this modest role. I think he'll be 100% or 98% come okay. kickoff. That's just my opinion. So not that that means So you anything. do think that. So you do think there's some gamesmanship then in what he's saying. I don't I don't even know if it was gamesmanship. I, I think, think they just asked him and he was kind of like, I don't know. I, 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 I'm still wearing this brace, so I'm not 100%. Yeah, even right. if his knee feels great, some maybe some precautionary things are making him feel like he's not 100%. But okay. The thing they're getting from Justin Fields all year is he's going to be honest when you ask him a question. Um, and I think he on, answered as honestly as he could, right? He did the same thing with the classes and people made that a big deal. It's like sometimes... He's a kid. He's a freshman playing right. quarterback. So what is it we need to see from him, Zach, for them to be success for Ohio State to be successful in this game? Well, the reality is you watch how the season progressed. I mean, it, it, let's say he is 80%. That's still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And what you saw the first whatever 10 games was a Justin Fields with, with chains on. Right. I mean, he was not running the ball. He was not doing those things. So you would say an 80% Justin Fields was one of the best offenses in the country through yeah. 10 weeks. Right. Now, as they got down the home stretch, they started started kind of taking the chains off and saying, all right, we might need to run you a little bit now. Right. And so they did that. And that obviously made him more dynamic, made the improve the offense even more. Yeah. So if he is healthy enough to run the ball and be as dynamic as he is, it's a huge advantage. Right. If he's not, I still think they can move the ball effectively. Yeah. This is one of those games that it's going to be a team win or a team loss. Yeah. If he is really at 80%, though, does the offense, do you run, do you think they're going to rein back the running a little bit here and, and just go with it's, Dobbins? It, it's going to be, I mean, let's put it this way there is nothing being restricted right now. Yeah. They might go into the game and say, let's, let's just see how the game plays out. Yeah. But if that game's close or they're down, he's running. Yeah. yeah. I mean, or what? You're going to go home either way. So where where does Ohio State potentially have an advantage offensively then against Clemson? Because Clemson is actually one of the top five defenses in the country. There might even be one of the top three defenses in the country. Again, something that doesn't get mentioned a lot. And when you're playing in the ACC, nobody's going to give a lot of credence to that. But they do have a lot of talent on that defense. And you look at the players they put in the NFL every year. Yeah, and I mean, I know that everyone will point to their schedule, which is very valid. Mm -hmm. They they have played no one. But you're talking about the number one statistical defense in total defense, passing defense, a top ten rushing defense. And I know they haven't played anyone. I'm not sitting here crowning them the best defense in the country. Yeah. But they've been really good. Mm -hmm. No matter who they played, they've been really good. Yeah. Now, I think Ohio State's going to be able to run the ball. Okay. I think that's the strength of the offensive line. I think that Ohio State's offensive line almost won the Joe Moore award which is for the best o-line in the country solely because they can run block so well yeah because there's yeah. some liabilities in pass pro at right. ohio state so i think running the ball effectively and jk needs to have a great game yeah and and that's that's one advantage right. for sure i think justin fields if healthy is another advantage yeah um I he's got to get rid of the ball though right yeah. he's got to get rid of the ball yeah and and, and i think this uh this pat the, the pass pro is is I've said it in every big game, and I'll say in this one even more so. Yeah. If the two tackles, if Brandon Bowen and Thayer Mumford don't pass pro well in this game, and if J.K. Dobbins allows six QB pressures in this game, it's not going to go Ohio State's way. Yeah. yeah. The, and, and whether they need to get Master Teague in for pass pro, whether they need to do some more seven-man pro and chips and things like that to help the tackles, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But they have to be better in pass pro, and then Justin Fields needs to help him out. So let's, let, so let's talk about that for a second. So let's say you're in the game, right? Because I think a lot of these things – come down to adjustment you have a game plan and then you go in and things don't work out the way you anticipated so now you have to adjust so let's say that happens we go into the game the tackles are getting beat left and right what are some of the type of things you know that you can do to adjust for that type of thing happening in game 
Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna it's gonna be a number of things. One is you're gonna have to use use the backs out of the backfield and tight ends, motion them in, chip defensive ends. It depends on it really depends on what Clemson's doing. Right. And Brent Venables is known for being kind of a wild, wild west coordinator. Mm-hmm. He'll it'll be chaotic shit, blitzes, coverage, bizarre fronts, maybe guys walking around. It's it's yeah. just, it's all like you've not to equate it to this because it's very different. I know that, so don't don't shoot me for this right. but it's, you feel like it's like war right. where it's just like i don't know where everyone is or where they're coming from but right. this he's is a wild beast. he's a and, beast and they're not ohio state has always been and, and the offensive line specifically they're very they're they're most comfortable when they know where this guy's here and i'm you know my id is this guy yeah but when they're all walking around it's like I, I i don't know right and how about our how about our receivers here right if they are creating pressure we're we're able to take the top off the off the defense pretty well are you confident in our, in our receivers in the intermediate quick 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 routes? Yeah, I mean, I think I mean I'm of course I am. I mean, yeah. I, I recruited ninety percent of them and I love them. Like mm-hmm. I said, yeah. so it's going to be hard for me to say they're not. But I think that I mean, you're talking about there's two legit uh, defensive backs at, at Clemson that, that can that can really play. They got the kid Tanner Muse's uh, safety that's really good, mm-hmm. and then uh, AJ Terrell's first team All ACC corner. So they yeah. have talent in the secondary, right? And they, they haven't faced a, a beast like a Chris Olave or a Ben Victor, Austin Mack, KJ Hill. They haven't seen that type of player yet. Yeah, but it's going to really be about Fields getting the ball out on time mm-hmm. when a guy's open. Because there's been a couple times where, like you saw, I think in uh, maybe the Michigan game or the Wisconsin game, one of the two, Chris Olave goes up and makes a ridiculous catch that was the ball was late. That's yeah. why. And I, I, that's probably not going to happen in this game. Yeah. That ball needs to be out on time, on point, and then you give the receivers a chance. Right. Because separation at the receiver position is yeah momentary. Especially especially in this type of game. Oh, it's it NFL talent? Yeah. That the court, it's all on the quarterback, right? And uh, people got crucified. People, I got crucified, and my group got crucified with JT Barrett because he didn't get it out on time a lot. Mm. And that separation would happen and close, and right. then they look covered, and it's like he can't get open. It's right. like no, he was open. Yeah, he needs to get the ball when he's open. Yeah, get so, the ball to KJ Hill. Uh, KJ is the one that he is Mister Reliable. Yeah, and, and he he runs great routes. He's intermediate guy. He's become a deep threat guy despite not being a blazer. Right. He's he's a really a real key to the game, and I'm really excited to see Austin back. I know you love Austin. Oh, yeah. And he's had a, a kind of an injury prone kind of just an average year, kind yeah. of dinged up here and there. But I know he what started he's capable to show. Of. He started to show though. Yeah. And what, it, about, and what about the tight ends? Like I feel like that could be something that Ohio State has. Like Jeremy Ruckert, he's a stud. We have um. Rashad Berry, actually, he's a, more of a blocking tight end, but he has talent. Yeah. They have talent at that position, probably underutilized a little bit, but maybe that's – I feel like that might be something that we see a little more this game. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the one thing that Kevin – I know Kevin Wilson will want to do. I know Ryan Day will want to do is they'll want to go 12 personnel. They'll want to put Luke Farrell in and Jeremy Ruckert. Mm-hmm. That creates a mess in the run game, yeah. especially mm-hmm. for a defense that is not used to this tough-ass run game. Right. Yeah. And it also can open up things in the pass game because they have to load the box. Yeah. So I would see I, – I would. I'd see him playing a lot of two tights. Uh, my issue is the tight ends and pass pro have been just atrocious. Yeah. And so if you're going to throw the ball – you uh, better be movement passes and some things like that because they have not been good. So, so I guess to kind of you know, um, I guess put this in more perspective is that it seems like you're saying from an offensive standpoint, where Ohio State has the, their greatest advantage is probably in the run game. Definitely in the run game, yeah. and then I think the 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 secret advantage mm-hmm. is this pass game has not been either been able to or has had to be a dynamic pass game. Mm-hmm. They've taken their shots. There's been little explosions, little fireworks, 
But uh, I think it's a combination of maybe the execution and timing mm. and then also the pass pro right. that's really held them back. Yeah. And if they can find a way to sure those two things up, I mean, they had a month to do it now. Yeah. If they can sure those two things up, you might see a different pass game out of the Buckeyes come Saturday. What about what about us defensively, right? We, we talk about the secondary. We've had some issues with the linebackers tackling. Um, how does our secondary match up with their receivers? And will this single high safety setup work? against a team with three dynamic receivers or multiple dynamic receivers. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that they have much of an option. They definitely have the talent for it. I think that the, the Jeff Okuda is going to have his biggest test of his career mm-hmm. in, in, in T. Higgins. T. Higgins, in my opinion, I mean, he's the top-graded receiver in the country. Yeah. I know he wasn't the Blitnikoff. Is he like 6'4"? He's huge. Yeah. I mean, They six, always have a guy. Yeah, like they have, like, I think, like, three or four of their guys are 6'3 and above. I, I, I guess I'm kind of just, like, scarred. From Sammy Watkins, yeah. and they're just like I'm like, yeah. oh, oh no, they're right. They got more of them. It's yeah. like a factory. They just yeah. like, all right, here's two more. Right. Mike Williams too against. Oh, the- I mean, just oh yeah, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So they, but the two they have are freaks. Both of them six four, long arms, can jump, deep ball, high point receivers. Yeah, and J- Justin Ross, a kid from Alabama, believe it or not, Justin Ross and T Higgins. Those two are going to pro- pro- provide matchup issues. Okuda's going to have his hands full yeah. with one of them. Right. And then the real, the, the whole key to this game, in my opinion, is Chase Young getting pressure. Yes. Because I, I feel a little cockiness from Clemson at their tackle position. Yeah. They that got Jackson Carmen. Oh, dude, yeah. The Ohio, the Ohio boy. Yeah. That went to Clemson. Yeah. Um, but he, and he's really good. I'm not saying he's yeah, a very. Yeah, they're talking about they're going to single. First year, I mean, first year be, starter against on, Chase Young. Come yeah, on, they're going to single Chase. Come on, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't take uh, Joe Thomas or Orlando Pace one on one with Chase. That's yeah. just stupid. So it seems like they're we're, the corners are going to be left and probably man a lot, right? Yeah, man. Outside. I mean, man or, or off man. They, yeah. they play this, this thirds coverage that is kind of man, kind of off man. So yeah, yeah they're going to help the corners, and I think it's all going to be about can Damon Arnett keep his cool mm-hmm. and play as well as he has right. at times, right? Because he's a hothead. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone that watches TV can see it. He gives up a catch. He's going to start talking shit, and he's going to get in someone's face, and then he's going to start cheating his alignment. He's going to start cheating his rules. He's going to start holding. That's what can't happen, that downward spiral of Damon Arnett. If he plays well, oh, I think Ohio State wins the game. If he yeah. doesn't, I'm nervous. So what about you know the rest of the D-line? Because I think when we talk about the D-line, you know, we kind of give them a, just a, a high grade. And a lot of it, though, is based on Chase Young. And V and I were talking about this earlier. I think it was the Wisconsin game. They were doubling, doubling, tripling him. But it didn't seem as though the other guys were getting sacks or getting pressure. Is is Ohio State's D line overall as advertised, or is this really just Chase Young and a bunch of good players, but not necessarily next level talent? Um, I think it's so they have the best DN in, in the country, the best player in the country, obviously, in Chase Young. Yeah. They have the other defensive end position has been solid, you'd say. Yeah. Between Tyreek Smith and then Zach Harrison, some young guys have rolled in there. They've been solid. What they do have, if Considering they're going to be healthy, you're going to have Jay Sean Cornell, who's right. one of the probably the best interior, man, top three interior D linemen really in the good. country. Mm-hmm. He is a defensive end in a D tackle's body. Yeah. He's a monster. Yeah. Davon Hamilton, yeah. an absolute monster at nose guard. Right. And then BB BB Landers is, yeah. I mean, his sawed off self yeah. is a is something to be reckoned with yeah, in the run is. game. Yes, he and he's not a great pass rusher, but. Two, it's hard for two guys to move his short ass. Right, it right, really is. Right, right. He just has instant leverage, and he's strong as hell. Yeah. So I think the D line is as advertised. I don't think they have a primo D end on the opposite side of Chase. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be interesting to see what they do with pressures. I mean, they got to if, if that much attention is paid on one human being, 
it could isolate, yeah. it could eliminate him from the game somewhat. Yeah. But it opens up so much that well, they could do defensively. To me, and I think you said this earlier, to me, that is the game right there. That's the game. Because if Ohio State can get pressure with the, some of the other guys, well, well, first of all, if they want a single chase, I, I, I pray that they do that. Oh, God bless you. But let's say, obviously, they're not going to end up doing that. And even if they start off that way, it's not the game is not going to end that way. If they can get pressure there, it seems as if that is one of Ohio State's biggest advantages is their D-line versus Clemson's offensive line. And one of the things you talked about earlier, Zach, was like we're not when they are double and tripling chase, you're not seeing the blitzes. You're not seeing the pressure created outside of the D-line, right? Right. And it seems like if that happens, that if, if they are going to double chase, bring some of these linebackers, some of these corners on blitzes, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what they have. To, that's what they will do. I mean, there's no way they don't. They bring pressure opposite Chase Young. Yeah. If you're going to pay all that attention to one side, the other side's a vulnerable, a vulnerable side. Right. And you have, they have some freak blitzers. Baron Browning, yeah. Sean Wade, yeah. those are dynamic blitzers. Yeah, Sean Wade is a, <laughs> I mean, he's really a doll. Yeah, he is. Like, yeah, good luck. You're a tackle trying to block that quick kid. Like, yeah. come on. Uh, so it, that's going to be the whole – and, and what, what really what you have seen, even – people will say Ohio State has struggled. They, what, struggle for a half one time. Right. But what you've seen, anytime there was any struggle – the halftime adjustments that Ryan Day and, and Jeff Halfley and the stuff they've done at yes, halftime yes. has been masterful. Yes, yeah. it has. I think they're the best coaching staff at halftime adjustments in the country, mm. and that's going to be huge. Yeah. You watch the first half, no matter how it plays out, it's like, all right, that's fine. Right. They just gathered information for a half. Yeah. Now let the best coaching staff at adjustments go at it. Well, I think that's one of the things nationally that people don't really know, right? Because this is Ryan Day's first year, and you know, Halfley is not necessarily, you know, he's about to leave and people don't necessarily know. We know Venables, we know Dabo. So when you're looking at, you know, you're going down the list and you're saying who has the advantage here, who has the advantage here, who has the advantage there. When you look at coaching, you're, people are going to give it to Dabo. But inside, you know, the people who know Ryan Day and who are watching, who've been really paying attention, know that there's really something to that. And that coaching advantage may not really be there. And so one of the things, though, you know, I guess while we're talking about that, I don't like Dabo. He annoys me, right? <laughs> yeah. um, he's a little pipsqueak. But I, I do respect him. Obviously, you have to respect what he's done, and I respect what he's doing to try to motivate his team. What is it that you've seen, I guess, over the years with Dabo that made that he turned Clemson around? I mean, Clemson is now, like we said earlier, all roads go through Clemson. They're not, they're not a blue-blood college football no. program. So yeah. what, what is it that you see with him that makes him so successful? Um, they've done an unbelievable job recruiting, yeah. uh, especially offensive skill. Where are they getting their talent from? Is uh, it? Georgia and Tampa. Okay. North uh, Carolina has a, and South Carolina have some talent too, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they really they go everywhere. I yeah. mean, you look at their receiving core. Amari Rodgers and T. Higgins are from Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, J Justin Ross is from Alabama. Right. Um, Trevor Lawrence is from what Georgia. Uh, yeah. So they're all over the place. Right. The, what they've done traditionally is they've they've hit Georgia hard, mm -hmm. Atlanta, the Atlanta area hard, yeah. and then Tampa, the guy that's going to be the head coach at South Florida, Jeff Scott. He he basically had his pick of the litter on a receiver from Tampa every year. Mm -hmm. Deion Kane, Sammy Watkins is a little south of there yeah. in Fort Myers, but they've just done a great job in recruiting. And so that's the one thing they've done. They've they've loaded offensive skill. Yeah, and then Brent Venables is is the MVP. Yeah, I mean he's the one consistent consistent. Uh, pillar in that program defensively every year. Right. They they churn guys out, and he always has a way of doing creative shit to still be effective. Right, and they're they're really able to sell that he's going to be there to these recruits. Oh, he right? keeps he keeps not getting involved in head coaching jobs. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm with That's him. That's like the greatest thing ever. And he's yeah. getting paid so much money. Like, yeah, go go to the big stage. I'm, I'm right. Kinda, I'm he's, with him. He's cool Somebody who knows their identity is 
always going to be successful. Always, yeah. And let's talk about Trevor Lawrence, too. Um, you know, like I said, he's been probably the most overlooked kind of superstar yeah. in all of college football this yeah. whole entire season. He's a superstar. Let's yeah. not get it twisted. Yeah. He's not just a guy that plays for their team that's doing well. He came in as a freshman and balled. Yeah, and took somebody's job who was an incumbent starter who was, a, who was also a baller. And hung 44 on Alabama. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what is it? What makes him good? You know, where, if anything, you know, the can Ohio State rattle him or shake him up? Yeah, I mean, so Clemson made a calculated, successful decision that has created all this uh, underrated bullshit mm -hmm. is they said, all right, we have probably the best quarterback we've ever had. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's saying a lot with Deshaun Watson. Right. Yep. So he was ridiculous as a freshman. If we're going to accelerate his growth and take him to that next level, we're going to have to throw some shit at him that he may struggle and learn from to be a better product. Mm. I love that. And they're not stupid. Yeah. They knew the schedule sucked. Right. They almost screwed it up against North Carolina, but right. they, they didn't care. Yeah. They basically just opened the world of football to him and said, go. Yeah. And he struggled the first half of the year. Right. But it paid off. Yeah. You start yeah. seeing him making decisions, making throws, his timing. Everything he does now is so much better than last year. And that's scary. Yeah. But people want to look at the season and be like, oh, he had a bad year. Mm -hmm. No, he struggled early so that he could win this game. Right. That's that was the whole point. Yeah. That's what development is. That's right? what it is. And th th they didn't care. They yeah. Didn't, they didn't care if he won the Heisman. They, they have him for another year. Yeah. They were trying to get him to play at a greater level than he did as a freshman. And well, right now he is. Right. So before we get to get out of here and get to our score predictions, I want to like kind of everyone kind of give their keys to the game, right? So for me, like top three keys to the game, and we've talked about them kind of already, but let's kind of put it more cohesively. I think for me, one of them is pressure. Chase Young, defensive line, are they able to get pressure on Trevor Lawrence? If, they're, if, if he's able to sit back there and have time, he's going to pick Ohio State apart. That's number one. Number two for me is Justin Fields and his health. Um and, you know, how mobile is he? Is he able to do everything that we need him to do? Because he's going to have to do a lot of different things. He's going to have to do, you know, he's going to have to run sometimes. He's going to have to take some hits sometimes. I mean, this is this is it. This is for the marble. So it's not, like you said earlier, you're not going to hold him back. And then the third thing, which is always true, but it's it's particularly true when you start to look back at some of the bigger games that we played, is taking care of the football. Can't afford to turn up those fumbles. Justin Fields cannot fumble the ball. He can't. Game. He cannot. This, this is a different type of animal here. You know, you can beat Michigan and beat some of these other teams when you turn over the football a couple times, but not in this game. How do you see, you know, uh, V, actually, V, you go, and then Zach, give us your keys. I mean, I think linebacker play here. I mean, the last couple of games we've seen, if they tackle like they did at the start of the season, this arm tackling bullshit isn't going to work against Etienne. He's going to run through us. Mm -hmm. If that happens, that's that's a major key. Yeah. And also the linebackers, you mentioned the D-line, but the linebackers being allowed to get pressure and assist the D-line when necessary. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third thing is the players trusting our coaches and mm. trusting the game plan and no one trying to be Superman. We do have great game planners on both sides of the ball. That's a good point. None of our guys need to be Superman. Right. And Zach, what about you? What do you think? Uh, the, the, well, this is really the keys to Ohio State winning. Yeah, really right. This is, yeah. Right? <laughs> that keys to the we game. Keys, keys to the Buckeye victory. <laughs> right. yeah. so, so you want to know how Clemson should win, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, the, the two that go without saying, I think, for every game, and specifically when you're playing the best opponent you, you have played all year, 
All right, and you both hit them. There's t- they they can't turn the ball over and can't they have to tackle well. Yeah. Team tackle, swarm tackle, effort, ar- no arm tackles. They have to get guys on the ground, and yeah. that's saying a lot because there's they have faced no one that can avoid tackles as well as Clemson and Travis <laughs> Etienne, and so it's it's it, they they got to go right, and they've done it all month. So I, I I'm not worried about that as much, but that is like the instant shot to the head. Yeah, you fumble the ball a couple twice, you missed 10, 11 tackles. It's over. Yeah, it doesn't. No, no yeah. more keys matter. Because I think in the um in the Clemson last time Ohio State played Clemson, I think Mike Weber fumbled twice in that game. Oh, maybe God. I really, honest to God, have blacked it out yeah. entirely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. Um, there's there was drop. My guys had drops. Mike Weber coughed it up every time he touched it. Yeah. It, was, it was ugly, but. So those are the the inevitable ones, the yeah. ones that I think that if those go well, right for both teams, all equal. Yeah, I think the most critical things are going to be how they get. You guys mentioned it, how they pressure Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. He's really good under pressure, though. Yeah, he is. So it's going to be how do they pressure him and then hold up in coverage. Mm-hmm. That's that's one on defense. The other one is Damon Arnett. I think it's the whole key to the game. And uh, I guess I haven't mentioned it yet. And how Jordan Fuller can help him. Yes, because yeah. Jordan Fuller of post safety doesn't get a lot of praise, doesn't get a lot of notoriety. He's really good. Yeah, and. If they can find a way where he can help Arnett and Okuda can hold up against probably one of the best receivers in the country, yeah. the first round talent, yeah. then that's going to be key. Yeah. And then on offense, I think it's solely pass pro. Mm. It's, it, and that all encompassing, getting right. rid of the ball on time, protecting Justin Fields. They're going to run the ball well. Right. If Justin Fields can run, that's an added bonus. Yeah. But if they don't, this is not a game where you're going to pound out Clemson and go win. Yeah. You're going to have to score some points and throw the ball. Yeah. And if they can protect Fields, he can do it. Yeah. And those receivers will do it. Yeah, I think, you know, there's some people, you know, that are confident, very confident. Ohio State fans are very confident about this game, and and I understand. Um, but some people are saying, oh, we're going to steamroll Clemson. I'm like, ah, I don't really see that. I mean, it could happen if they fumble the ball and we return two kicks for yeah. a touchdown, and, you know, games can get away from you. But I think this game is going to come down to it. I think it's going to be a, a heavyweight battle. So let's get out of here on this, score predictions. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, st- I'm juiced about the game. I'm sure you guys are juiced about it. I'm nervous about it. I'm excited. I feel every type of emotion. But now it's time to, let's say, let's put our money where our mouth is. What, how do we think this game is going to turn out? Zach, you can go first. Um, I think, I, obviously, I think Ohio State wins. I'd probably be shot if I didn't say that, but I really do think that. <laughs> right. um, I think Ohio State wins 28-24. Mm. I, I don't think uh, this is a game that there, there's going to be a ton of points scored, mm. though they both teams certainly have the firepower. But these are the two best defenses in the country. Right. You're, to say it's going to be 56 to 49, come on. Yeah. I think 28 24, Ohio State wins. And I think uh, it, it has to be a clean team win. And who's the MVP of the game? Ooh. Ah, that's a great question. Yeah. I just thought about that right now. I had now. to think while you were answering. <laughs> um, I think the MVP of the game for Ohio State has to be, it's got to be JK. Yeah. I mean, they had. They have to run the ball well, and he has to have one of those games like he's had in all the big wins, 180 yeah. yards, 150 yards. Yeah. And that's their greatest advantage. Right. So as long as he can do that, I don't think he, that's the key to winning, yeah. but I think he's the MVP. Got to. V, what about you? Score prediction and then MVP. Um, 38-34, J.K. gets in with a one-yard touchdown. Chase Young sacks Trevor Lawrence on fourth and ten. This is the fan coming. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So who are you rooting for? Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and, and and the MVP we talked about him earlier. I think is KJ Hill. Uh, mm. I think if he can get those those catches in the intermediate areas and be KJ Hill, I think we can win this game. Okay. And I think you know I think one of the keys to the game also I, I guess I didn't say this earlier is running the football and I think. One thing that you have to be comfortable with as a coach is that six yards that you get. If you can get six yards, like you please yes. understand how valuable that is. Run Shoot. the football. You know, First run the down. football. 
You know, and some you know, coaches sometimes they get impatient or they want to go for the jugular or you know, and I obviously understand play action, you, the run sets up the pass, of course, but take those yards. And I feel like if we start, if we see that early, Clemson could be in for a long one. I think the game is going to end up. I think it's going to be a little bit more high scoring than both of you guys think. I think it's going to be forty-two to thirty-four, Ohio State. I think Justin Fields is going to make one or two more plays more than uh, Trevor Lawrence. I think this is, I guess, his quote-unquote coming out party nationally. And uh, I think he will end up being the MVP of the game. So we will see, and I'm sure you guys will hear from us uh, <laughs> next this week and uh, next week. Uh, Zach, thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, again, your insight is always great. Make sure everybody check out his podcast, Menace to Sports. It's available everywhere. Follow him on social media at Coach Zach Smith. And also hit us up at Pilot Boys Pod on Twitter. Let us know what you think about our analysis. Let us know what you think about the keys of the game who you think is going to win, and give us some score position. Um, score positions. <laughs> score predictions. We're coming for Tiger Blood. <laughs> Go Bucks! We'll be right back. That's all we have for today's show. Big thanks to our guest, Zach Smith. Again, thanks to everybody for listening to our final show of 2019. Don't forget, sharing is caring. Subscribe to the Pilot Boys podcast on Apple, Spotify, Patreon, and YouTube. And please follow us on social media at Pilot Boys Pod on Twitter and at Pilot Boys Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And always remember, be you. You is fly. Pilot Boys out! Pilot Boys out! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go!